Welcome to the Highland Gospel Mission, a podcast to all nations. Each week, Pastor Keith will deliver a Holy Spirit-inspired message from Highland Southern Baptist Church to the rest of the world. If you have a Bible, we encourage you to read along and study the Word for deeper understanding. Now, here's Pastor Keith with this week's message. If you would, get your Bibles open up to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, we're going to read through the first part of this straight through because Paul is actually, he's actually using his circumstances with Corinth as um, an example uh, to the individuals of Corinth. And now you got to realize what was going on at this time. And I've let you know several times what the, the struggles and challenges with Corinth was. The fact that it settled in Isthmus and, uh, and the, you know, all of the traffic that it brought through the town, the cultural changes, the, the uh, religious uh, shifts that were constantly happening. Paul was basically in competition with, with uh, false prophets and false teachers. The false prophets and false teachers were, trying to, were the ones that were trying to influence the, the individuals of the church to do things that were wrong, that were manipulating circumstances. Paul's coming into the situation, and he's trying to be the one who actually has the authority to be able to address the situation. In other words, stand a little taller than the other person, metaphorically. But the problem is, the individuals are looking at Paul, and they're looking at the false prophets, and they're seeing them as equals. Is it? good for someone who is a leader planter of the first churches in the christian world to be tied to uh false teachers or false prophets no so paul explains here how a christian uses liberty in other words you have liberty you have liberty in christ you can do anything you want to yep i said it you can do anything you want to if you're saved by grace, God's unmerited favor, what could you do that can keep you from being saved? Just don't believe in Jesus, right? That's the only thing. Our liberty, I mean, didn't Paul say all things are lawful? Did he say it? Did Paul say all things are lawful for me? He did. But he also said, not all things are profitable. You see, this, that's, the, that's the wedge that creates the starting point for Christian liberty, sacrifice. In other words, what has to happen in order for me to say, hey, I have the liberty to do anything, but through my relationship with Jesus, I won't. Sacrifice. What sets Christians apart from all other religions in the world? Sacrifice. Now you say, well, wait a minute. There are Muslims out there ready to just blow themselves up. That's quite sacrifice. Is it? They've been promised 72 virgins. Is it a sacrifice? Or are they doing that for pay? They're doing it for pay. They're not a sacrifice. They're not a martyr. They think they're going to get 72 virgins for an eternity. That's why they're doing what they're doing. Most things that a Christian does, or most things that a Christian should be doing, what does the Christian, what does the Christian benefit? What's the benefit? 
just the knowledge of knowing you did what was right. And that's a blessing in and of itself, right? But the question is this, how does my liberty affect you? And on the flip side, how does your liberty affect me? Are we linked? I hope so. I mean, I hope, I hope that when you're sitting in a church and somebody that you're used to seeing all the time doesn't show up, the question at least crosses your mind. I hope that they're okay. Because there's a link there, right? You see, people get distracted in the world by understanding that their liberties, people struggle because they don't understand, I should say, that their liberties are not permissions. If I'm truly saved, nothing can take that away from me. And I genuinely could go out and do anything I wanted to and still cross the finish line. People say, oh man, wait a minute though, you're talking about some pretty serious business. No, I said specifically, if I'm really saved, I can do anything. God's not stripping the salvation from me. But it's not about what can I get away with. It's about how is what I'm doing affecting the people around me? How is what I'm not doing affecting the people around me? And this is the, this is the way that Paul actually sets himself apart. We're going to read through several of these verses. We're going to go probably all the way through verse, we'll stop around verse 10, the end of 10. Read with me. Chapter 9, starting with verse 1. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about, oxes, about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake it was written, because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. Now, this is not about Paul's pay. Don't fall for the topic being what this is about, because what he addressed here is not the fact that he's demanding being paid. He's saying he has the right to be paid. He has the right to take a believing wife. He has the right not to work a job outside of the gospel. He has the right for that. And his, his entire argument was this. A farmer goes to farm. Does he get paid for a service? It's his full-time job. He gets paid for a service, right? Somebody goes to a grocery store and clocks in for eight hours. They get paid for their service? Then according to the law of Moses, should a preacher be paid? They should. 
Highland's about to make a, ba- a hard choice. Not a bad choice, a hard one. I mean, it's totally my choice because I know what the central situation is around the whole thing. But I'm about to go bivocational. It's going to happen. Should it be sad? No. And, and I'll get in a little bit more when we get just a little bit further down. The truth is this. If I choose for the sake of the gospel to not take a portion of my salary because it helps the church keep its head above water, the question's this. Can I share the gospel by myself more than every ministry in this church? No. The gospel being shared is required in order for this to be true. But the fact is, is it about what benefits me? Is it about what benefits you? Is it about the selfish desires of ours that says, yeah, I wish that I could easily pay all of my bills all the time and have a little money for an emergency once in a while? Does my God have the ability to give me that? But he hasn't. Should I be okay with that? You see, that's the liberty part. The liberty part is it doesn't matter whether you do it under compulsion or you do it voluntarily. The fact is, whether we like it or not, we do it. If God tells us to do it. We share the gospel because we understand, the, we understand what effect the gospel has on the individuals that are out there. But when we use our liberty for selfish reasons, when we use our liberty to justify away proclaiming the gospel to people, it's a whole different story. Keep reading verse 11. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we should reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Hold on. If others share the right over you, you know what he's saying in that one verse or in that one sentence? Do you know what false prophets also ask for? Money. And he's basically saying, You're paying the false prophets. But see, here's also where a major dividing line lies with him using his liberty. Because now he's pointed out, you're paying the false prophets, but then look what he says. If others share the right over you, verse, verse 12, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right, but we endure all things that we may cause no hindrance in the gospel of Christ. Paul didn't demand money. He didn't demand pay from the church in Corinth. You know why? Because he didn't want to be associated with the ones who were demanding money. He used his choice in liberty to further the gospel, even though it made his life harder. And he ran around trying to defend himself and the only way that he could set himself apart was by pointing out the obvious differences. You guys give me a hard time because I'm not married. 
Or you give me, you tell me I need to take on a wife, or you tell me I'm a priest, or I'm a minister, so I can't have a wife. He had people telling him all kinds of things out there. And he goes, I'm very clear on where my liberty sits. I know the choices that I have to make. The question is, are the choices we making the best choices for the people around us? The best choices for the furtherance of the kingdom? The best choices for the lost to be saved? And this comes right back to the church. We've been talking about us looking at the ministries and looking closer at them. They need to be looked at. Verse 13 says, Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple, and those who attend regularly to the altar have their share with the altar? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. But I have used none of these things, and I am not writing these things that I may be done, that it may be done so in my case. For it would be better for me to die than to have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Anytime you've seen that word woe in context, what does it mean? It's a word for God's judgment. It's a word for his judgment. Let me ask you a question. If you was to eliminate every responsibility that a Christian has, every responsibility out of the scripture, you said a Christian has one responsibility, what would it be? Share the gospel. How often are we doing it? How often are we looking for the opportunities to do it? What has happened to us and our nerves as Christians being seared to the point that we don't fear a God for taking his number one cause and coughing it right back in his face? And doing it every day of our life. And why? Because we're emotionally distraught? But why are we emotionally distraught? Because we didn't believe the promises? Our problems always trace back to us. They never go back to God. Our use of liberty is extremely important. The way we define that use of liberty is extremely important. And I can't judge you for the way that you use your liberty. That's your responsibility between you and God. Just the awareness of the fact that you have that liberty, but that liberty comes with great responsibility. Own your house. Do you own your house? Can you blow it up? You can. You can blow it up. If you decide you want to do that, let me know. I want to help. But would you blow it up? Why not? So let me get this straight. You have the freedom, since you own the property, to blow it up, but you're not going to blow it up. Why? You have the freedom to blow up your life, but you're not going to blow it up. Why? These are the limitations that God places on us. He doesn't tell us you can't do this. He says, hey, if you do this, this is what the effect's going to be. If you do this, this is what the effect's going to be. And they are always, you will reap what you sow, directions. 
Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. The one responsibility that God gave me. To, it doesn't matter whether I do it because I, even if I don't want to, it doesn't matter if I do it if I want to. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. God's judgment on me, a man who he called and equipped, God's judgment on me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. In other words, whether you're into it or not, does that get to determine the, the quality of the job you do for God? I mean, if, if you've been a Christian for very long at all, and I can tell you it's really emphasized itself in ministry leadership positions, there's a whole lot of... Uh, against my will. Who likes to get up at 3 o'clock? Phone call, 2 o'clock in the morning. Get up 2 o'clock in the morning, drive to St. Louis to the hospital. Who likes to do that? Anybody like to do that? Do I have a choice? I actually do. I got liberty, right? I have the freedom to make my own choices. You know what I don't have the freedom to do? Dictate the consequences. I don't get to dictate the, dictate the consequences. The steward... By definition, a valuable responsibility or duty to be carefully managed. You guys control your finances, right? How hard do you work to try to keep all the numbers right? Because you know how valuable the responsibility is, right? You just miss one check. What can one check do to you if you miss it in your check registry? So just how much time and attention do people put into making sure that they have all those records in the right place? Carefully managed. Which brick could you pull out of this building without causing any structural damage? Anybody want to pick one? Which, which block can you take out of this church without it affecting the structural integrity of the church? I mean, they all have a purpose, right? Otherwise, they would have put a block every other space. They stacked them on top of each other and ran them the entire length and width of the building and then cased them in brick on the outside. There are little steel beams that go across the tops of these windows that keep the tops of that cement block from falling into the window. Time and attention. Specifics. Do you know how much it hurts me when you don't come to church? Do you know the cost to the fellowship when individuals don't involve themselves in ministry because most people don't so when I sit back and I see people de detach I know what the consequences of that is so you're to run up to them and 
shake your finger in their in their nose? No. Because you see, the world's full of people who are trying to figure this out. Christians, people who have trusted in Jesus Christ are trying to figure this out. The Apostle Paul mastered it. Look at verse 20, and I'll close here. To the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I become weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that I may by all means save some. And I do all things for the sake of the gospel, that I may become a fellow partaker of it. I become all things to all people. How do you have compassion for a homeless person? How do you muster that up? It's not that hard. Really, it's not. Imagine not having a home. No shower. No change of clothes. No blankets. No towels. No deodorant. And you just living your life in the gutter. Wondering who's going to donate your next fifth of whiskey. You wonder about if there's anybody in the world that cares about them. Is there anybody in the world that even knows they exist? Are they any less valuable than the person who is worth a $10,000 a year tithe? No. Because the value of a soul is equal regardless of what that soul is carrying in its pockets. That I might become partaker of it not the fulfillment of the gospel in my life, but that I may become a partaker of the gospel. In other words, it becomes something that is interactive. It becomes something that consumes your body, and it's, it's almost like a, an ectosuit that you would wear on your body, that now everything around you is being permeated by Jesus, and it can't be helped the partaker of the gospel. In other words, you get, you get the negative responses from people when you share it. You get the positive responses when people share it. You get once in a while to stand in a pool of Bay Street camp and baptize kids because of it. There's all kinds of permeation of gospel everywhere. But it only happens from having that mentality that says, I know that I have the right to do anything that I want to. But everything that I do, anything that I become, I will become it for the sake of the gospel so that some may be saved. Paul didn't give up his morals. Don't go there. He said, as a Jew, I become a Jew. In other words, he didn't walk in like a bull in a china shop criticizing all the Jews. He still had his struggles ahead of him anyway. And it's in that chapter. Because you know what a Jew could not do to somebody like Paul? Couldn't love him. To the Jew, it was against the law. He could not love. Well, he would have been considered a Hellenistic Jew at that time. Can't love a Hellenistic Jew. 
He still had an uphill battle to fight. Why does he need to go in? Is it not hard enough to share the gospel with somebody without walking into the conversation like a bull in a china shop, like you have the market cornered on the truth and the express delivery of that truth and make everybody in the world feel like dirt because of the way that we actually do it? How long can you sit down with a homosexual without driving them out? Those are the tests. The tests are how long can I as an individual build relationships and interact with people, yes, who are homosexuals. I I know this may be ground earth shattering to people, but I want to tell you something. People were never intended to be saved in this building. Not what it was created for. Now, can the grace of God surpass those those boundaries? Absolutely. People can come into church and get saved. That is not what this place is for. This place is for those of us who are believers to continually fellowship and encourage each other as the day continues to draw nearer. Because life's hard and it's going to get harder. And every bone in our body is going to want to shrink back, hide, be disobedient, and unfaithful. When the truth is, the most important part of the church is the first part of the church. The gospel that Jesus died to fulfill. It's beyond me that we have such a small, I believe, I totally believe single digit percentages. I totally believe less than 5% of believers are out there sharing the gospel. What does that say about us? We'll be just religious enough to calm our fears and to satisfy us and stop just short of anything that's going to cost us an ounce. You're important to this church. And when people who are in this church who are supposed to be in this church pull themselves out, you think that doesn't hurt it? You know what I've seen over 21 years? I've gone through seasons of seeing individuals just as if they weren't even here. Is that any different than leaving when you're not supposed to? No. The Bible tells us that every one of us was given a gift. All of us. If you've trusted in Jesus, you have a gift. He gave that to you. Why did he give it to you? For you to boast? Or for you to employ? We wonder why the church struggles, folks. All we have to do is take a look at our individual lives. The Apostle Paul was no different than anyone else. Because this church, you know what Highland's going to be? It's going to be the total culmination and faithfulness of its members that make it up. That's what Highland's going to be. Each individual member can have faith that's far and above anything they've ever experienced before. And they add that element to the body. But unfocused, willful disobedience, willful unfaithfulness, Logically, what are the consequences to this? Do we really have a right as a church in this country to scratch our heads and ask what's going on? 
Because if we need to ask what's going on, we've got way more serious problems than church ministries. Don't let Satan rob you or anybody else of what it is that Jesus has given you. Because I'm telling you, if he distracts you, he's going to rob somebody. You're important. And if you've been convinced that you're not, I'm sorry that whatever happened in your life convinced you of that. Because if you walk through life like that, whether you intend to or not, you're going to hurt people. Jesus gave us this life. And he gave it to us to enjoy. And he knew, because he is omniscient, he knew that every person who trusted in him was going to face struggles and conflicts and difficulties and the desire, the temptation to withdraw when we were given the opportunity to be obedient. He knew who we were as individuals. That's why he made grace bulletproof. But does grace even exist for somebody who is only trying to preserve themselves? That's the question. That's the question. And I don't have an answer for you. And to be honest with you, it's not a line I plan to stand on when I stand before the Father. If you're here today and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit moves you, come talk to me. I'll take whatever time, even given our hurry to get out of here, I will take whatever time necessary that would be the priority. Somebody else can ask the blessing over the food. We'll do what we have to. But if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging your heartstrings, come talk to me, please. If you're here today and you're a believer, these are pretty huge hurdles for believers to be able to, to leap. And I know, I know, because I was in that spot where sharing the gospel is terrifying, where it was something that just caused you to freeze up and hyperventilate. And I know it's hard, but I can tell you this for a fact. Faithfulness and obedience. Use of your free will, the use of your liberty, if you will, is extremely important when it comes to you taking care of your family, you taking care of God's people, and you taking care of yourself. It has to be central within that relationship. Because otherwise you don't know where to draw the lines. And Doug knows as well as I do, especially when you're bivocational. Schedules are hard. The way stuff pops in and you've got a short amount of time to take care of that stuff. And it's just the way that that stuff works. But the fact is this. God wants to bless his church. And he wants to bless his people. And he has blessed us in spite of our faith, faithlessness. In spite of our disobedience, he's blessed us. What do you think he'll do if we're not disobedient and unfaithful? Just listen to the Holy Spirit. Thanks again for listening. If you have questions about becoming a Christian, discipleship, or if you have prayer requests, visit us at facebook.com forward slash Highland Southern BC. Have a blessed week and go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Highland Gospel Mission was produced by Zach Link with preaching by Keith Perrin. Music provided by Pixabay under Creative Commons.